Just trying to figure out how to get my headphones going on this thing. <laughs> That's a classic. That's a classic. All right. Um, Town Hall Twitter. It's uh, we kind of alternate back and forth between here and the Discord, which has been great. Outside of that, uh, a lot of different upgrade updates since our last Twitter Town Hall. Um, I think the last one that we did do was the update for the 2024 roadmap that we're going to be doing with the Java Protocol. With that, um, since we published that, kind of like talking about in which quarter, what things are we going to be specifically spending our time and energy on, we have finished our first one, which is ledger support. And uh, Marcin, do you want to kind of talk about the uh, the road it took for us to kind of become like the first hardware wallet supported storage network with permissions? I think that's uh, probably a good thing for you to do. Yeah, for sure. Um... So, I mean, realistically, we can go all the way back to the chain launch. Um, we, you know, first started the Jackal Network up. We had storage accounts online and ready to go. And uh, there's this really cool thing in the SDK called Amino Encodings, which isn't actually supported anymore, uh, which is really cool. But it's how all of Ledger works. So um, there's kind of two ways to send messages to the chains, which is a protocol buffer signature or an amino signature. And uh, Ledger requires you to use amino signatures, um, but everything in Cosmos uses protos because that is better and you shouldn't use aminos because they're unsafe and bad to use. Um, But, you know, we built libraries around it to make them safe and good to use. That was like the whole struggle for, I don't know, what was it, like a a year and a half? A full, yeah, almost, I guess a year and a half now um, of just back and forth fighting with the ledger. And, uh, you know, for a while there, we had priorities that were just like so much more important than ledger at that time, Um, like that consensus spheres upgrade. You know, all hands were on deck for that. So Ledger, unfortunately, got pushed to the side a little bit while we worked on making the protocol more stable and functional. And then uh, every now and then we'd go back to it and get a little bit closer and a little bit closer. And uh, eventually, this time around, we were working on V4, actually. And, uh, you know, we were trying to make Ledger work for V4. And we noticed, oh, Ledger does work for V4. Why is that? So we started tracing it back and uh, we finally found it in uh, there's this tiny little thing in the communication protocol. 
um, between our chain and our JavaScript library. So, you know, that was a lot of sleepless nights for Aaron, our integrations specialist. Um, but we finally did manage to trace it all the way down to a mismatch between how the chain was expecting things and how the JavaScript library was default handling things. And we finally got it. So now we have these wonderful, wonderful infinite USB drives, as we call them, um, which is really, really exciting. It's been a long time coming. But uh, you can now safely, securely store your files to Jackal using a ledger so that your seed phrase never leaves your encrypted device. And, uh, you know, that really does make it the, the most secure storage protocol kind of possible right now with, with modern technology, which is really exciting. Yeah, it's, it's pretty fascinating that now you kind of have this, you, your ledgers, now you're kind of access to all your money, um, whether you kind of see cryptocurrency as money, I think a lot of us do. And now you can actually also use it as an infinite USD drive, which is pretty cool as well, right? You can go anywhere in the world with your private key, you can plug it in and have self-custodial access to your own private cloud environment. Um, it's just pretty cool stuff at the end of the day. And, and we think that it's, we're just getting started. We can start to think about peer-to-peer -peer data transfer between parties, secure like data rooms and peer-to-peer -peer transfer and um, granular permissions, leveraging this technology and having full audit trails while encrypted. If you do have the permissions to see it, it's much more granular and it's pretty fascinating in its own right. With, with that, uh, Jaden, I'll kind of let you kick it off on everything that's going on on the BD front, whether it's the Web2 space, whether it's the Web3 space, I'll kind of let you take it away. Thanks for that, Mike Pass. Um, yeah, some exciting developments on the, uh, the business development front. From a Web3 perspective, we've got some um, blogs coming out about some recent integrations, hopefully later this week. They're in the hands of our counterparts, uh, just making sure that uh, my T's are crossed and my I's are dotted. Um, on top of that, we're, our pipeline is full still with uh, Web3 integrations waiting to take place. So we've got some companies and some projects at various stages of that pipeline, which is always healthy. Um, from a Web2 perspective, really, really exciting news. We onboarded um, a telecom company earlier this week. So uh, as of Monday, Jackal is now providing backups for uh, a telecom company out of Iowa, um, which we love. But uh, other than that, um, to the future, I think we're going to look and see how we can replicate that process with the telecom company and, uh, and make sure to keep that pipeline full from the Web3 uh, front. It's pretty exciting stuff at the end of the day. And we've been pretty, uh, there's a lot of work going on in the back end for that one. But uh... Really exciting to to have a, a real world business um, that's in telecom that was started in 1920, for example, uh, integrating with us. It's it's pretty beautiful. If they can do it, a lot of other businesses can do it too. And um, yeah, it, it really, really, really exciting times just for the Java protocol and real world use cases for basic things like backups. Right. Um, end of the day, the Java protocol is built. To be successful as we get more unique terabytes onto the system and for us to do that we need to kind of broaden our horizons and accept any and all data so exciting times outside of that um marston you kind of want to talk about things that are going on right now in development for 
kind of V4 and uh, where you think that is at right now? Yeah. Um, so we got some good stuff coming down the pipeline. Um, not technically directly related to V4. Um, essentially what we have going right now in order to make V4 possible, you know, there's tons of migration from the current storage providers to the new storage providers to make sure that they don't, you know, lose all the files that are on them right now. Um, Cause that's, that's the crazy thing with upgrading um, something like a storage protocol is you need to make sure everything's still there. Uh, you know, if we wanted to V4 could be deployed, you know, in, in a month. Um, but what we'd be kind of risking is all of the network's files being deleted in one go, which is obviously not what we want. Um, so every time we do like a major upgrade, we obviously don't want to have that happen. So we have to do a lot of due diligence to make sure that those files stay where they are. Um, but we are upgrading to a new file format, which is really fun. The problem with that is all of your files are encrypted. So we can't actually do anything to those files. So what we essentially need to do is have this like in between phase where all of your files are being migrated to this new platform inside of our storage providers without changing the data or the security around that data because you know we couldn't change anything because they're fully encrypted and then uh from that we have to basically transfer all the metadata to a new format and that new format allows us to basically check when like if your file was part of that old format or that new format that we're talking about if it's part of that old format when you go to use it um, you can update it to that new format which is really exciting if you would like or you can just leave it and uh, it'll continue to sit there as its old format but that allows us to do a lot of cool things especially going forward we won't have to do any of these crazy migrations um, we won't even need chain upgrades to introduce new file formats which is really exciting um, so what that means right now is the storage providers, um, before V4 comes out, they're going to get a new upgrade. Those storage providers can go, they can upgrade all of their files to kind of have this like format 1.5 going on. And, uh, that'll basically allow for the new V4 upgrade to basically just like run. Once they're ready to go, they won't have to deal with like a ton of manually running through their file system to make sure everything's good to go. So um, before V4 comes out, storage providers get a new update. Um, it should, in theory, reduce some of the bandwidth on the network right now, which is exciting. So, you know, blocks should be a little bit smaller. How much? We don't know exactly right now. Um, but uh, it should be it should be a little bit, which is exciting um, for all of you node runners out there. And then um, after that, you know, we're going to be pushing on with the V4 upgrade, which is going to go live on the storage providers and the chain um, in, in one fell swoop to make sure that everything's good to go. So that's really exciting. Um, as far as the chain side of things goes, uh, we just have a lot of like little tweaks left, um, but the econ model is fully implemented and all of the new storage functions are fully implemented. So that's really exciting. It's just a lot of like, you know, tweaking 
RNS to make sure that it is bug free because we've modified it a little bit um, to work with the new referral system and everything like that. So little bits like that we're just running through right now, um, which is really exciting because that means V4 is in a pretty good state and our timelines for Q2 are, are looking pretty, pretty good right now. So I'm really excited for that. Um, I think that's it for V4 stuff. Yeah, the, the V4 support stuff's coming along pretty good, and we're kind of making, um, we're, we're hitting our, our checkpoints on time, which is wonderful for that as well. The third thing that's kind of coming out in the near term would be Radiant. Oh, yeah, we, yeah, Radiant. We, <laughs> we've spoken about, we leaked a little bit of Radiant last, uh, I think it was yesterday, or maybe even two days ago, um, on, on our Twitter directly, where it kind of looks like Windows 95 which was uh, kind of something that uh, some of our devs took out of creative liberty, but apparently a lot of people like it. So I think we have to run with it for at least a little bit anyways. Um, Marcy, do you kind of want to speak on Radiant and the perpetual forever storage on, on a, like a system like that and how it's going to pay one store forever, public by default, all that stuff? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you didn't see our little tweet about the Radiant user interface. Um, you know, you can go check that out on the Jackal Twitter. Uh, it's pretty funny. It's uh, it's a really funny enough, like we've been playing with it internally. It's a really responsive and good feeling user interface, um, despite how it may look. Um, but essentially what it is, is it's kind of like a pseudo dashboard. So it's not quite, you know, that Jackal private secure dashboard that you're used to. Um, Instead, it's more for sort of like public data that, you know, you don't mind if anybody sees it's, it's to be published on the open net, a lot like, you know, IPFS or Arweave um, in that way. So you can kind of think of it in a similar way as like IBC, uh, sorry, not IBC, um, NFT.storage, uh, which is the, the kind of Filecoin NFT sharing platform, which is uh, really fun. This Radiant dashboard basically just allows you to go and, you know, if you have files, you can just chuck them up there and click to upload. You pay once. You don't have to have a storage account at all. Um, as I say, you just you know, click that button, you sign your transaction, that file goes off. You pay a flat rate of Jackal storage. Um, it is the same price as uh, the current offerings on Jackal, so that $8 a month per terabyte, but scaled down. So if you're storing like one megabyte, it's gonna scale itself all the way down to the price of one megabyte <laughs> per month for 200 years. So you're paying for that full 200 years. What that does is it guarantees that it's there for close to forever. I mean, longer than anybody will ever be alive, basically times two. So, um, you know, that allows it to stay up there forever. If you want, you know, in 200 years, you can go and renew that file if you're worried about it. But that makes it a really sustainable model for us, um, especially in comparison to something like Arweave, which promises like permanent storage. Um, but they make a lot of assumptions that storage is going to get cheaper over time um, and continue getting cheaper forever. So <clears throat> what we, you know, us at Jackal Labs, we, we don't, believe that um you know storage is getting cheaper but uh we don't want to base our protocol uh, on the, this assumption that storage will get cheaper 
Um, so that's a decision we made. Basically, what that does is it makes sure that our storage providers are incentivized for that full 200 years um, instead of, you know, if storage doesn't get cheaper, they're only incentivized for 10 years, which wouldn't be too good. So, you know, we're really trying to future proof the system, really make sure this file is stored for the full 200 years that you expect it to be stored for. And you can expect all that with Radiant. So this is really, really good for uh, like NFTs. If you want to store NFTs, you can just throw a file on there. Um, it's up forever. <laughs> um, you can't delete the 200 year storage, which is uh, a really nice feature for NFT owners because they know that, you know, the host of that NFT won't ever go down. And then uh, kind of on a side note, the stuff powering Radiant is exciting as well. Um, that you know, 200 year storage that you can't delete makes it really, really useful for things like AI agents where you know, you're looking at an AI model that wants to have memory, let's say. So like conversation data, if you're chatting with you know, some chat GPT alternative, um, when you are done that conversation, uh, if you're running in the cloud, that cloud has to store that conversation somewhere. In a decentralized world where you own your data, you know, you're hoping that those files that you're storing um, stay there and they can't be read by anyone. So this 200-year storage allows you to upload private, uh, like, conversation history that is stored for 200 years, and you can verify it's stored for 200 years. So, you know, if an AI agent posts it to Jackal on your behalf, you know that that AI agent can't take it down unlike a traditional cloud system. So you can guarantee that your stuff will be there for longer than you'll be alive unless, you know, some crazy tech happens in the next couple of years. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty exciting for us. It's a really sustainable way to store data for a very, very long time. And uh, we built Radiant to be this really like fun, interesting front end to kind of showcase that and make it really accessible for you guys. Um, yeah, one it, more thing it, is just the Jackal uh, Shepherd gateway that we have been working on for a while is kind of bundled into Radiant. So if you post a file, uh, you can just click that little like view online button and it'll take you to the Shepherd web gateway. And then uh, your file will be viewable there. You can share that link with friends. You can, I, I've even done it where, you know, you can post it into Discord and Discord will just display it as an image because that's all it is. It's just basically... Um, Almost like a CDN, if you're if you're familiar with that, um, it's a really easy way for for you to share files with people around the world using just a simple link. So that's really exciting. No, it is super exciting. the The other thing that I'm excited about specifically is just publishing of, of documents too, right? So, say that we want to create a blog and we want to publish it for a really long time, or we're writing a white paper or whatever we like to call it. Sometimes people call them yellow papers or gray papers. It depends. But um, having a way that you can have a self sovereign way that is not really it doesn't have the ability to have supply information supply chain attacks. It's extremely resilient when the areas of decentralized AI in the areas of decentralized publishing and just access to information in general. I'm excited for Radiant for kind of all those reasons and having kind of a little bit more of a multiplayer mode. While the privacy is really fun and uh, we have a ton of users that are using uh, the Jacko dashboard proper for that specific kind of like personal private Dropbox type product running on the blockchain. Um, I think this is wonderful for kind of something that's a little bit more multiplayer mode.
where you can uh, do it with your friends. You can share images, you can have shareable links, and uh, you can kind of have this for integrations with NFT marketplaces or um, decentralized social medias or uh, kind of Reddit clones or anything like that that are kind of playing in the blockchain meets social space. Outside of that, um, there's kind of one last thing that's been really happening this week, specifically in the like kind of the intersection of Jackal meets AI meets um, kind of cloud compute, where we've been really focusing on kind of the ability for Jackal to have an integration with a company named Morpheus, which is, um, is they're essentially kind of like an AI agents product and they're building on Ethereum and what they're building seems quite promising and we wanted to get involved as well. The kind of like lowest hanging fruit for us for an integration with a product like that and kind of bringing value for those people that are looking to build decentralized AI applications in general is number one chat history and memory. Um, Marcin touched on this a little bit, but essentially when you kind of integrate with and you start chatting with a GPT type chat, chat bot in general or really any AI in general, um, most of them, specifically the decentralized ones, don't have memory and don't have decentralized memory or self-custodial memory. Um, and that's something that Jackal does really, really well is having the ability for AIs to store weights, to store chat history and um, kind of find other integrations as well, where as we kind of move down the, the pipeline of what we have going on this year, what we're looking to develop this year, you can start to think about AIs having their own storage account where you can kind of read and write to off-chain data. Um, really exciting stuff in that area. The next thing that we're kind of looking at as well is RAG frameworks. So when you look at what a RAG framework is, it's kind of a retrieval augmented generation, which is kind of like a way to build like these lightweight, fascinating AI models that are kind of trained to specific data so it can have context. So for example, you can kind of train an AI back in 2021, but unfortunately it really only has memory up to 2021 and it doesn't have access to private files, whether you're a company that kind of has sensitive information that you can't really share with any third parties, you are kind of limited with your ability to integrate with AI in general. So this is a pretty far out for us, but um, it's something that we have on the roadmap is kind of having a way for Jackal to be a private vector database storage, which kind of gives the ability for you to kind of train these chat AIs where you have this unique ability where it can be trained on private data. Things that you're, whether it's by law or information that you just don't want to give up and you don't want to introduce a third party as like a cyber risk or um, as a privacy risk for your users or your company you can start to build these custom AI models, which is pretty fascinating as well. And that's kind of uh, something that we're looking at integrating in there, kind of uh, similar to um, a company called Pie, Pinecone, which would be the centralized version of that. But uh, it's just another thing that we're working on right now in general. Marston, I know you're, the, uh, you're not the, the AI favorite of the team, but uh, what's your thoughts on the AI stuff in general? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think, the AI integrations with Jackal are like, I mean, you know, I think Jackal is one of the best places to store AI data, especially with how sensitive and how valuable AI data is right now. Um, it's, it can't really be overstated about how much money is going through AI training models 
AI user data. And I mean, like, it, it, I can only speculate that companies like Google and ChatGPT are, are taking, you know, all of your conversation data and using it to make their AI better. I, I, I guarantee that's, I almost guarantee that's somewhere in their terms of service somewhere. Um, but with something like Jackal, I mean, the whole ethos is you own your data. And uh, if you are talking to an LLM, you should still own that data. You know, the LLM provider shouldn't own your conversation, um, especially in this decentralized landscape that we're trying to build, um, trying to build these like ethical tools. So companies like Morpheus doing AI agents um, where everything's backed up to Jackal. I mean, nobody owns those AI models. Nobody owns your conversation except you. Like that is the kind of stuff that we're really working for at Jackal Labs 100%. And uh, I think like the Jackal protocol, there's, there's no better place right now to store sensitive AI data, like just without a doubt. Yeah, it's kind of the AI developers have two doors right now, really, right? So you have door number one, where you kind of have to invest hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars into infrastructure that you would host locally if you want to build something um, that needs to have privacy or uh, needs to kind of have a really high security posture around the data that the AI is using, right? Um, door number two is you kind of integrate a third party, which can kind of be this centralized choke point of failure number one, or also the cybersecurity or privacy risk to the data itself, right? And it, it's pretty fascinating that there's kind of no middle ground. And uh, I think that Jacko can really be that middle ground uh, for people that kind of want that scalability at a reasonable price point and also have the ability to maintain full self-custody and privacy around that data. Um, a few months ago, uh, I have a... I have a friend that is a partner at a consulting company where they consult heavily for the Canadian federal government, for example. And they were running into issues where they wanted to build LOMs um, to increase the productivity of their teams internally at the Canadian government. But the issue is that for them to increase the productivity, uh, they needed to kind of integrate the train AI on some on private data in general. And uh, they had no way and they continue to have no way to do this because if you want to leverage kind of one of the best models right now, for example, GPT-4, and you want to integrate the API, technically you're giving a third party access to all of the private data and by law they can't do that. So I think for hopefully getting closer to a stage where you can maintain privacy and security while still build scalable AI applications um, and kind of not waiver on the security privacy and for people building decentralized AI, the decentralization factor either. That's kind of everything uh, from me right now. I, it's uh, been a long week so far, but I think we have one request that I'd love to bring up. Right on. If you, uh, if you can hear me, feel free to chat right now. Sorry, I raised my hand. Are you speaking to me? Yeah, exactly. Oh, thank you. Sorry, thank you. Just it cut off at that moment, so I didn't know if you. I didn't want to just barge in. Um, sorry to 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 kind of come in. Um, I kind of found out about Jackal Protocol from Crypto Sailor, who's listening, who I have a lot of respect for. Um, I kind of will put Jackal in. It might not be, but in a group where there's Render and AKT, Akash, kind of in that group. I don't know what you want to call them in that group, but decentralized 
something processing and storage together. My question is, this is why I keep asking Akash and AKT, but they never answer. So now I've got you from Jackal. What is the relation between your token and what you do? Because there's a lot of tokens where they just are a token to represent a company, but they actually don't do anything. So therefore, they don't grow. They don't, you know, your investor doesn't earn anything. Uh, for example, again, AKT, they've got processing powers and um, cheap processes where you can rent them out. But the token itself, it doesn't, it doesn't get any value out of it. So how does how do you get value for your token the jackal token out of storage that's my question thank you yeah that's a really good question and we can go really deep into the economics and luckily uh, we actually have our new economics upgrade that's coming out in kind of early q2 with the v4 upgrade and i can link that uh, i can send it to you directly on bm as well so you can kind of take a look at that but in short the the difference between render and uh, a cache and jackal is render and a cache they're kind of like compute marketplaces where there's a multi-sided market and the value of their token is kind of the medium of exchange between the buyers and sellers of compute power basically right the the difference about jackal for a number of different reasons is number one jackal is it is the medium of exchange for to for storage right so that's first and foremost is users need to pay in jackal tokens in the event that we start to take other tokens in general, um, users are going to take their USDC, buy back Jackal tokens, and then pay the protocol in Jackal tokens. That's number one. Um, number two, the other things that the Jackal token does, it's a incentive for storage providers and validators, right? Um, so for example, validators, their job on the network is they secure the network, number one. Number two is they're kind of like the police of the storage network where they make sure that um, every single storage provider continues to have the data that they have. And in exchange for that work, they get rewarded uh, with Jackal tokens as well in block rewards. Um, the kind of the third thing that the Jackal token does is kind of takes care of the storage providers as well. So essentially when someone comes into the network and they need to purchase storage essentially is they pay $8 a month per terabyte to the protocol right now. And then they get rewarded with a, the storage providers get rewarded with real yield from that payment. So currently right now, the real yield going to the storage providers would be about 35% of the $8 and the rest would kind of go to protocol on liquidity and um, referral commission if there's referral commission or back to the stakers. So the economics of the protocol, the way that the token gains value is the more unique terabytes of storage that is purchased from the Jocko protocol drives the economic growth of the Jocko protocol. I, I don't know if that answers your question, but um, essentially the more storage that we sell, yeah. the, the more demand for the Jocko token will be. Yeah. Um, it, it does. It absolutely does. No, thank you for the answer. Um, another one point which i feel um people haven't solved so if you go back to the original bitcoin and why satoshi made it it was all peer peer to peer p2p you know the issue with everything that now that's coming up and a lot of us in this space are non-developers non-programming we come from all walks of life and we're suddenly you know i would like to invest in this token but i also would like to 
be a validator or a node or whatever you want to call them. So for example, and you know, if I wanted to say I want to invest in Jackal, but I also want to feel part of Jackal, I'll need to then run some storage, um, you know, buy, I'm looking now on Amazon, how much to buy a one terabyte external hard drive. You know, you can get them for $45, uh, $50. And let's say I wanted to, you know, I've got a thousand pounds, a thousand dollars, and I want to just buy 20, 30, 50 of them and run them. Nobody is telling us how to do that. It just has become very uh, a select group of you devs and you, um, uh, you know, I'm not, I, I mean it generically, like how, nobody's given us how to do it for a beginner. You know, here's, here's 10 hard drives, how to link them up and become part of your your network. While with Bitcoin, there is, this is, there is, there is these easy steps where you can just run the node on your on your computer, you're not going to make any money, but you are part of it. Does that make sense? So, like yeah. that, no, nobody's done it. AKT, Render, any, any, all, all, any protocol. Go have a look at it. Very rarely you find step by step how to become part of the network and earn like the devs or earn like the nodes. Thank yeah, you. no, one hundred percent. So that's kind of something that's a little bit difficult because, like, right now in the early stage of the Jackal protocol. Not that we're trying to keep anyone, but we have a really awesome storage provider community just in the Discord. If you ask a question, any like probably four or five people are going to come and just help you out. If not, we will come and help you out to make sure that your onboarding experience is wonderful. Because for this protocol to be successful in general, um, we need the supply side and the demand side of storage. And we can't really just, there's not really like a select group, few group of people. Is we need as many unique terabytes as possible for us to go and... Um, sell to other users, right? Um, so that's, uh, that's number one. The kind of, there's three ways that you can get involved with the Jocko protocol and each three of them kind of come at different technical difficulties. Way number one, which is the easiest, and this is kind of coming with the, with the upgrade that's going to be happening in Q2, is any user with their RNS name. So if you go to the Jocko dashboard, you spin up your storage account, you'll get an RNS name. This is just like the native name service on the Jackal protocol. So it makes life a little bit easier. So you don't have to remember like Jackal one, a really long string of letters and numbers. You can just have netarun.rns and that is your RNS name. Um, with that, that is number one, a way for people to send files to you and do all that kind of stuff. But number two is that's also just a referral code. So if you have a business or you want to kind of find a way to get integrated with the Jackal protocol, the easiest, lowest hanging fruit without technical knowledge in general is really just going to uh, your friends or a business and using that referral code. And that's a good way that you can kind of drive, be involved as a community member, drive value to the network and also get rewarded for providing that value, right? So that's kind of number one. Number two, number three is validators and node providers. Um, storage providers. Um, so for validators in general, that's probably like the easier to be a validator than a storage provider. I would say at least Marston, I, I don't know if you would agree with that, but being a validator, it's pretty much just kind of having the technical knowledge to kind of spin up a server in a data center, integrate with the protocol, go through the docs um, and kind of understand a GitHub. But kind of by default, you need a little bit of technical knowledge because we're dealing with technical stuff, right? Um, not that it's meant to be a barrier to entry. It's just the fact of the matter is with like the stage that this tech is in, it does take a little bit of prerequisite knowledge of kind of running those kind of things. 
And then the storage providers is kind of very similar. You can kind of use an old gaming computer and hook into the network, number one, or you could like rent a server in a data center and then hook it into the network and provide it that way. Um, for onboarding for that, honestly, the, the Discord is the best way to do that, though. Um, all you have to say is like, hey, I have this hardware or should I buy this hardware would probably be a really good question to ask before you buy anything. And then you'll honestly get really honest feedback from whether it's the Jackal team from Jackal Labs directly or it's other individuals that are in the community being storage providers. No, thank you very much. I'll I'll explore your website because it's actually the first time I've I've opened the website itself, and it does have a, a few you know frequently frequently asked questions and how to become you know provide storage. Um, I think that's generally most of the things I wanted to ask at this moment. But yeah, thank thank you for letting me speak and um, I'll disconnect the mic. No, so in case and else wants. also thank you for asking these questions. And if you have any issues, whether you want to be a storage provider or anything like that, please let us know because um, it's really important for like our build, measure, learn feedback loops going on internally so we can just make a better product and kind of be a better organization in general. So any feedback, please share with us. Thank you very much. All right, we have one other person coming back up uh, now. Let me see if I can... Do you see third speaker? Is it just me or fourth speaker? Or is that just me right now? We might just be getting spammed with this. I don't know. Ahmed, uh, feel free to ask your questions if you can hear me right now. I'm not sure if you're fully up yet, though. Is it just me that sees him as a speaker? Or is it just, uh, or is it just my... No, I can, I can see him. Yeah, he's just muted. I'll pop. Ahmed, if, uh, if you want to ask a question, feel free. Um, if not, uh, we can start to wind this down unless there's any other speakers that do want to come out. Super strange. I'm not sure if it's me glitching out or someone else glitching out or it's the, uh, the Jackal account. No, I don't know. I mean, I don't see any other speakers anymore. All right. Anyways, um, if anyone has any last questions, feel free to come to the Discord, Telegram, or tweet at us, uh, whatever medium of communication or stuff for you. But outside of that, thanks, everyone, for an awesome uh, town hall this week. If you uh, have any feedback for us, just let us know, and uh, we'll see you a lot next week here on Twitter. I can hear you, buddy. Right on, right on. Marcin, how you doing? Doing well, man. Just trying to figure out how to get my headphones going on this thing. That's a classic. That's a classic. All right. Um, Town Hall Twitter. It's uh, We kind of alternate back and forth between here and the Discord, which has been great. Outside of that, uh, a lot of different upgrade updates since our last Twitter Town Hall. Um, I think the last one that we did do was the update for the 2024 roadmap that we're going to be doing with the Jackal protocol. With that, um, since we've published that kind of like talking about in which quarter, what things are we going to be specifically spending our time and energy on, we have finished our first one, which is ledger support. And uh, Marcin, do you want to kind of talk about the, uh, the road it took for us to kind of become like the first hardware wallet supported storage network with permissions. I think that's uh, probably a good thing for you to do. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, I mean, realistically, we can go all the way back to the chain launch. Um, we, you know, first started the Jackal network up. 
we had storage accounts online and ready to go. And uh, there's this really cool thing in the SDK called amino encodings, which isn't actually supported anymore, uh, which is really cool, but it's how all of Ledger works. So um, there's kind of two ways to send messages to the chains, which is a protocol buffer signature or an amino signature. And uh, Ledger requires you to use amino signatures, um, but everything in Cosmos uses protos because that is better and you shouldn't use aminos because they're unsafe and bad to use. Um, but, you know, we built libraries around it to make them safe and good to use. That was like the whole struggle for, I don't know, what was it, like a, a year and a half? A full, yeah, almost, I guess a year and a half now. Um, yeah, of just was. back and forth fighting with the ledger. And, uh, you know, for a while there, we had priorities that were just like so much more important than ledger at that time um like that consensus spheres upgrade you know all hands were on deck for that so ledger unfortunately got pushed to the side a little bit while we worked on making the protocol more stable and functional and then uh every now and then we'd go back to it and get a little bit closer and a little bit closer and uh eventually this time around we were working on v4 actually and uh you know, we were trying to make Ledger work for V4, and we noticed, oh, Ledger does work for V4. Why is that? So we started tracing it back, and uh, we finally found it in uh, there's this tiny little thing in the communication protocol um, between our chain and our JavaScript library. So, you know, that was a lot of sleepless nights for Aaron, our integrations specialist. Um, but we finally did manage to trace it all the way down to a mismatch between how the chain was expecting things and how the JavaScript library was default handling things. And we finally got it. So now we have these wonderful, wonderful infinite USB drives, as we call them, um, which is really, really exciting. It's been a long time coming, but uh, you can now safely Securely store your files to Jackal using a ledger so that your seed phrase never leaves your encrypted device. And, uh, you know, that really does make it the, the most secure storage protocol kind of possible right now with, with modern technology, which is really exciting. Yeah, it's, it's pretty fascinating that now you kind of have this, you, your ledger is now your kind of access to all your money, um, whether you kind of see cryptocurrency as money, I think a lot of us do. And now you can actually also use it as an infinite USB drive, which is pretty cool as well, right? You can go anywhere in the world with your private key, you can plug it in and have self-custodial access to your own private cloud environment. Um, it's just pretty cool stuff at the end of the day. And, and we think that it's we're just getting started. We can start to think about peer-to-peer -peer data transfer between parties, secure like data rooms and peer-to-peer -peer transfer and um, granular permissions, leveraging this technology and having full audit trails while encrypted. If you do have the permissions to see it, it's much more granular and it's pretty fascinating in its own right. With, with that, uh, Jaden, I'll kind of let you kick it off on everything that's going on on the BD front, whether it's the Web 2 space, whether it's the Web 3 space, I'll kind of let you take it away. Thanks for that, Mike Pass. 
Um, yeah, some exciting developments on the uh, the business development front. From a Web3 perspective, we've got some um, blogs coming out about some recent integrations, hopefully later this week. They're in the hands of our counterparts, uh, just making sure that uh, my T's are crossed and my I's are dotted. Um, on top of that, we're, our pipeline is full still with uh, Web3 integrations waiting to take place. So we've got some companies and some projects at various stages of that pipeline, which is always healthy. Um, from a Web2 perspective, really, really exciting news. We onboarded um, a telecom company earlier this week. So uh, as of Monday, Jackal is now providing backups for uh, a telecom company out of Iowa, um, which we love. But uh, other than that, um, to the future, I think we're going to look and see how we can replicate that process with the telecom company and uh, and make sure to keep that pipeline full from the Web3 uh, front. It's pretty exciting stuff at the end of the day. And we've been pretty, uh, there's a lot of work going on in the back end for that one. But uh really exciting to to have a, a real world business um, that's in telecom that was started in 1920 for example uh, integrating with us it's it's pretty beautiful if they can do it a lot of other businesses can do it too and um, yeah it, it really 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 exciting times just for the Java protocol and real world use cases for basic things like backups right um, end of the day the Java protocol is built to be successful as we get more unique terabytes onto the system. And for us to do that, we need to kind of broaden our horizons and accept any and all data. So exciting times. Outside of that, um, Marston, you kind of want to talk about things that are going on right now in development for kind of V4 and uh, where you think that is at right now? Yeah, um, so we got some good stuff coming down the pipeline. Um, not technically directly related to V4. Um, essentially what we have going right now in order to make V4 possible, you know, there's tons of migration from the current storage providers to the new storage providers to make sure that they don't, you know, lose all the files that are on them right now. Because um, that's, that's the crazy thing with upgrading um, something like a storage protocol is you need to make sure everything's still there. Uh, you know, if we wanted to, V4 could be deployed, you know, in, in a month. Um, but what we'd be kind of risking is all of the network's files being deleted in one go, which is obviously not what we want. Um, so every time we do like a major upgrade, we obviously don't want to have that happen. So we have to do a lot of due diligence to make sure that those files stay where they are. Um, but we are upgrading to a new file format, which is really fun. The problem with that is all of your files are encrypted. So we can't actually do anything to those files. So what we essentially need to do is have this like in-between phase where all of your files are being migrated to this new platform inside of our storage providers without changing the data or the security around that data because you know we couldn't change anything because they're fully encrypted and then uh from that we have to basically transfer all the metadata to a new format and that new format allows us to basically check when like if your file was part of that old format or that new format that we're talking about if it's part of that old format when you go to use it 
Um, you can update it to that new format, which is really exciting if you would like, or you can just leave it and uh, it'll continue to sit there as its old format. But that allows us to do a lot of cool things, especially going forward. We won't have to do any of these crazy migrations. Um, we won't even need chain upgrades to introduce new file formats, which is really exciting. Um, so what that means right now is the storage providers, um, before v4 comes out, they're going to get a new upgrade. Those storage providers can go, they can upgrade all of their files to kind of have this like format 1.5 going on. And, uh, that'll basically allow for the new v4 upgrade to basically just like run. Once they're ready to go, they won't have to deal with like a ton of manually running through their file system to make sure everything's good to go. So um, before v4 comes out, storage providers get a new update. Um, it should, in theory, reduce some of the bandwidth on the network right now, which is exciting. So, you know, blocks should be a little bit smaller. How much, we don't know exactly right now. Um, but uh, it should be it should be a little bit, which is exciting um, for all of you node runners out there. And then um, after that, you know, we're gonna be pushing on with the v4 upgrade, which is gonna go live on the storage providers and the chain um, in in one fell swoop to make sure that everything's good to go. So that's really exciting. Um, as far as the chain side of things goes, uh, we just have a lot of like little tweaks left, um, but the econ model is fully implemented and all of the new storage functions are fully implemented. So that's really exciting. It's just a lot of like, you know, tweaking RNS to make sure that it is bug free because we've modified it a little bit, um, to work with the new referral system and everything like that. So little bits like that, we're just running through right now, um, which is really exciting because that means V4 is in a pretty good state and our timelines for Q2 are are looking pretty, pretty good right now. So I'm really excited for that. Um, I think that's it for V4 stuff. Yeah, the, the V4 stuff's coming along pretty good and we're kind of making, um, we're, we're hitting our, our checkpoints on time, which is wonderful for that as well. The third thing that's kind of coming out in the near term would be Radiant. Oh, and yeah, we, yeah, Radiant. We, <laughs> we've spoken about, we leaked a little bit of Radiant last, uh, I think it was yesterday or maybe even two days ago um, on, on our Twitter directly where it kind of looks like Windows 95, which was uh, kind of something that uh, some of our devs took out of creative liberty, but apparently a lot of people like it. So I think we have to run with it for at least a little bit anyways. Um, Marcy, do you kind of want to speak on Radiant and the perpetual forever storage on, on a, like a system like that and how it's going to pay once, store forever, public by default, all that stuff? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you didn't see our little tweet about the Radiant user interface, um, you know, you can go check that out on the Jackal Twitter. Uh, it's pretty funny. It's, uh, it's a really... Funny enough, like we've been playing with it internally. It's a really responsive and good feeling user interface, um, despite how it may look. Um, but essentially what it is, is it's kind of like a pseudo dashboard. So it's not quite, you know, that Jackal private secure dashboard that you're used to. Um, instead, it's more for sort of like public data that, you know, you don't mind if anybody sees. It's, it's to be published on the open net 
a lot like, you know, IPFS or Arweave um, in that way. So you can kind of think of it in a similar way as like IBC, uh, sorry, not IBC, um, NFT.storage, uh, which is the, the kind of file coin NFT sharing platform, which is uh, really fun. This Radiant dashboard basically just allows you to go and, you know, if you have files, you can just chuck them up there and click to upload. You pay once. You don't have to have a storage account at all. Um, as I say, you just you know, click that button, you sign your transaction, that file goes off. You pay a flat rate of Jackal storage. Um, it is the same price as uh, the current offerings on Jackal, so that $8 a month per terabyte, but scaled down. So if you're storing like one megabyte, it's going to scale itself all the way down to the price of one megabyte <coughs> per month for 200 years. So you're paying for that full 200 years. What that does is it guarantees that it's there for close to forever. I mean, longer than anybody will ever be alive, basically times two. So, um, you know, that allows it to stay up there forever. If you want, you know, in 200 years, you can go and renew that file if you're worried about it. But that makes it a really sustainable model for us, um, especially in comparison to something like Arweave, which promises like permanent storage. Um, but they make a lot of assumptions that storage is going to get cheaper over time um, and continue getting cheaper forever. So <clears throat> what we, you know, us at Jackal Labs, we, we don't believe that, um, you know, storage is getting cheaper, but uh, we don't want to base our protocol on the, this assumption that storage will get cheaper. Um, so that's a decision we made. Basically, what that does is it makes sure that our storage providers are incentivized for that full 200 years um, instead of, you know, if storage doesn't get cheaper, they're only incentivized for 10 years, which wouldn't be too good. So, you know, we're really trying to future-proof the system, really make sure this file is stored for the full 200 years that you expect it to be stored for. And you can expect all that with Radiant. So this is really, really good for uh, like NFTs. If you want to store NFTs, you can just throw a file on there. Um, it's up forever. <laughs> um, you can't delete the 200-year storage, which is uh, a really nice feature for NFT owners because they know that you know the host of that NFT won't ever go down. And then uh, kind of on a side note, <laughs> the stuff powering Radiant is exciting as well. Um, that, you know, 200 year storage that you can't delete makes it really, really useful for things like AI agents where, you know, you're looking at an AI model that wants to have memory, let's say. So like conversation data, if you're chatting with, you know, some chat GPT alternative, um, when you are done that conversation, uh, if you're running in the cloud, that cloud has to store that conversation somewhere in a decentralized world where you own your data, you know, you're hoping that those files that you're storing um, stay there and they can't be read by anyone. So this 200 year storage allows you to upload private uh, like conversation history that is stored for 200 years and you can verify it's stored for 200 years. So, you know, if an AI agent posts it to Jackal on your behalf, you know that that AI agent can't take it down unlike a traditional cloud system. So you can guarantee that your stuff will be there for longer than you'll be alive unless, you know, 
and crazy tech happens in the next couple of years. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty exciting for us. It's a really sustainable way to store data for a very, very long time. And uh, we built Radiant to be this really like fun, interesting front end to kind of showcase that and make it really accessible for you guys. Um, yeah, one it, more thing it, is just the Jackal uh, Shepherd gateway that we have been working on for a while is kind of bundled into Radiant. So if you post a file, uh, you can just click that little like view online button and it'll take you to the Shepherd web gateway. And then uh, your file will be viewable there. You can share that link with friends. You can, I, I've even done it where, you know, you can post it into Discord and Discord will just display it as an image because that's all it is. It's just basically um, almost like a CDN, if you're, if you're familiar with that. Um, it's a really easy way for, for you to share files with people around the world using just a simple link. So that's really exciting. No, it is super exciting. The The other thing that I'm excited about it specifically is just publishing of, of documents too, right? So say that we want to create a blog and we want to publish it for a really long time. We're writing a white paper or whatever we like to call it. Sometimes people call them yellow papers or gray papers. It depends. But um, having a way that you can have a self-sovereign way that is not really it doesn't have the ability to have supply information supply chain attacks. It's extremely resilient when the areas of decentralized AI in the areas of decentralized publishing and just access to information in general. I'm excited for Radiant for kind of all those reasons and having kind of a little bit more of a multiplayer mode. While the privacy is really fun and uh, we have a ton of users that are using uh, the Jacko dashboard proper for that specific kind of like personal private Dropbox type product running on the blockchain. Um, I think this is wonderful for kind of something that's a little bit more multiplayer mode where you can uh, do it with your friends. You can share images, you can have shareable links and uh, you can kind of have this for integrations with NFT marketplaces or um, decentralized social medias or uh, kind of Reddit clones or anything like that that are kind of playing in the blockchain meets social space. Outside of that, um, there's kind of one last thing that's been really happening this week, specifically in the like kind of the intersection of Jackal meets AI meets um, kind of cloud compute, where we've been really focusing on kind of the ability for Jackal to have an integration with a company named Morpheus, which is, um, is they're essentially kind of like an AI agents product and they're building on Ethereum and what they're building seems quite promising and we wanted to get involved as well. The kind of like lowest hanging fruit for us for an integration with a product like that and kind of bringing value for those people that are looking to build decentralized AI applications in general is number one, chat history and memory. Um, Marcin touched on this a little bit, but essentially when you kind of integrate with and you start chatting with a GPT type chat, chat bot in general or really any AI in general, um, most of them, specifically the decentralized ones, don't have memory and don't have decentralized memory or self-custodial memory. Um, and that's something that Jackal does really, really well is having the ability for AIs to store weights, to store chat history and um, kind of find other integrations as well, where as we kind of move down the the pipeline of what we have going on this year, what we're looking to develop this year, you can start to think about AIs having their own storage account where you can kind of read and write to off-chain data. Um, really exciting stuff in that area. The next thing that we're kind of looking at as well is 
RAG frameworks. So when you look at what a RAG framework is, it's kind of a retrieval augmented generation, which is kind of like a way to build like these lightweight, fascinating AI models that are kind of trained to specific data so it can have context. So for example, you can kind of train an AI back in 2021, but unfortunately it really only has memory up to 2021 and it doesn't have access to private files, whether you're a company that kind of has sensitive information that you can't really share with any third parties, you are kind of limited with your ability to integrate with AI in general. So this is a pretty far out for us, but um, it's something that we have on the roadmap is kind of having a way for Jackal to be a private vector database storage, which kind of gives the ability for you to kind of train these chat AIs where you have this unique ability where it can be trained on private data. Things that you're, whether it's by law or information that you just don't want to give up and you don't want to introduce a third party as like a cyber risk or um, as a privacy risk for your users or your company, you can start to build these custom AI models, which is pretty fascinating as well. And that's kind of uh, something that we're looking at integrating in there, kind of uh, similar to um, a company called Pinecone, which would be the centralized version of that. But uh, it's just another thing that we're working on right now in general. Ryerson, I know you're the uh, you're not the, the AI favorite of the team, but uh, what's your thoughts on the AI stuff in general? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the AI integrations with Jackal are like, I mean, you know, I think Jackal is one of the best places to store AI data, especially with how sensitive and how valuable AI data is right now. Um, it's it can't really be overstated about how much money is going through AI training models, AI user data. And I mean, like, it, it, I can only speculate that companies like Google and ChatGPT are, are taking, you know, all of your conversation data and using it to make their AI better. I, I, I guarantee that's, I almost guarantee that's somewhere in their terms of service somewhere. Um, but with something like Jackal, I mean, the whole ethos is you own your data. And uh, if you are talking to an LLM, you should still own that data. You know, the LLM provider shouldn't own your conversation, um, especially in this decentralized landscape that we're trying to build, um, trying to build these like ethical tools. So companies like Morpheus doing AI agents um, where everything's backed up to Jackal, I mean, nobody owns those AI models. Nobody owns your conversation except you. Like that is the kind of stuff that we're really working for at Jackal Labs 100%. And uh, I think like the Jackal protocol, there's, there's no better place right now to store sensitive AI data, like just without a doubt. Yeah, it's kind of the AI developers have two doors right now, really, right? So you have door number one where you kind of have to invest hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars into infrastructure that you would host locally if you want to build something um, that needs to have privacy or needs to kind of have a really high security posture around the data that the AI is using, right? Um, door number two is you kind of integrate a third party, which can kind of be this centralized choke point of failure number one, or also the cybersecurity or privacy risk to the data itself, right? And it, it's pretty fascinating that there's kind of no middle ground. And uh, I think that Jackal can really be that middle ground uh, for people that kind of want that scalability at a reasonable price point. 
and also have the ability to maintain full self-custody and privacy around that data. Um, a, a few months ago, uh, I have a I have a friend that is a partner at a consulting company where they consult heavily for the Canadian federal government, for example. And they were running into issues where they wanted to build LLMs um, to increase the productivity of their teams internally at the Canadian government. But the issue is that for them to increase the productivity, uh, they needed to kind of integrate the train AI on some on private data in general. And uh, they had no way and they continue to have no way to do this because if you want to leverage kind of one of the best models right now, for example, GPT-4, and you want to integrate the API, technically you're giving a third party access to all of the private data and by law they can't do that. So I think for hopefully getting closer to a stage where you can maintain privacy and security will still build scalable AI applications um, and kind of not waiver on the security privacy and for people building decentralized AI, the decentralization factor either. That's kind of everything uh, from me right now. I, it's uh, been a long week so far, but I think we have one request that I'd love to bring up. Right on. If you, uh, if you can hear me, feel free to chat right now. Sorry, I raised my hand. Are you speaking to me? Yeah, exactly. Oh, thank you. Sorry, thank you. Just it cut off at that moment, so I didn't know if you. I didn't want to just barge in. Um, sorry to 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 kind of come in. Um, I kind of found out about Jackal Protocol from Crypto Sailor, who's listening, who I have a lot of respect for. Um, I kind of will put Jackal in. It might not be, but in a group where there's Render and AKT Akash, kind of in that group. I don't know what you want to call them in that group, but decentralized something processing and storage together my question is this is what i keep asking akash and akt but they never answer so now i've got you from jackal what is the relation between your token and what you do because there's a lot of tokens where they just are a token to represent a company but they actually don't do anything so therefore they don't grow they don't you know your investor doesn't earn anything uh, for example again akt they've got processing powers and um, cheap processes where you can rent them out but the token itself it doesn't it doesn't get any value out of it so how does how do you get value for your token the jackal token out of storage that's my question thank you yeah, that's a really good question. And we can go really deep into the economics. And luckily, uh, we actually have our new economics upgrade that's coming out in kind of early Q2 with the V4 upgrade. And I can link that. Uh, I can send it to you directly on BM as well. So you can kind of take a look at that. But in short, the, the difference between Render and uh, Akash and Jackal is Render and Akash, they're kind of like compute marketplaces where there's a multi-sided market and the value of their token is kind of the medium of exchange between the buyers and sellers of compute power, basically, right? The, the difference about Jackal for a number of different reasons is, number one, Jackal is, it is the medium of exchange for, for storage, right? So that's first and foremost is users need to pay in Jackal tokens. In the event that we start to take other tokens in general, um, users are going to take their USDC, buy back Jackal tokens, and then pay the protocol in Jackal tokens. That's number one. Um, number two, the other things that the Jackal token does, it's a incentive for storage providers and validators, right? 
Um, so for example, validators, their job on the network is they secure the network, number one. Number two is they're kind of like the police of the storage network where they make sure that um, every single storage provider continues to have the data that they have. And in exchange for that work, they get rewarded uh, with Jocko tokens as well in block rewards. Um, the kind of the third thing that the Jocko token does is kind of takes care of the storage providers as well. So essentially when someone comes into the network and they need to purchase storage essentially is they pay $8 a month per terabyte to the protocol right now. And then they get rewarded with a, the storage providers get rewarded with real yield from that payment. So currently right now, the real yield going to the storage providers would be about 35% of the $8 and the rest would kind of go to protocol on liquidity and um, referral commission if there's referral commission or back to the stakers. So the economics of the protocol, the way that the token gains value is the more unique terabytes of storage that is purchased from the Jocko protocol drives the economic growth of the Jocko protocol. I, I don't know if that answers your question, but um, essentially the more storage that we sell, yeah. the, the more demand for the Jocko token will be. Yeah. Um, it, it does. It absolutely does. No, thank you for the answer. Um, another one point which I feel um, people haven't solved. So if you go back to the original Bitcoin and why Satoshi made it, it was all peer-to-peer, P2P, you know. The issue with everything that now that's coming up, and a lot of us in this space are non-developers, non-programming. We come from all walks of life. And we're suddenly, you know, I would like to invest in this token, but I also would like to be a validator or a node or whatever you want to call them. So for example, and you know, if I wanted to say I want to invest in Jackal, but I also want to feel part of Jackal, I'll need to then run some storage, um, you know, buy I'm looking now on Amazon how much to buy a one terabyte external hard drive. You know, you can get them for forty five dollars, fifty dollars. And let's say I wanted to, you know, I've got a thousand pounds, a thousand dollars, and I want to just buy 20, 30, 50 of them and run them. Nobody is telling us how to do that. It just has become very uh, a select group of you devs and you, um, uh, you know, I'm not, I, I mean it generically, like how nobody's given us how to do it for a beginner. You know, here's, here's 10 hard drives, how to link them up and become part of your, your network. While with Bitcoin, there is, this is, there is, there is these easy steps where you can just run the node on your, on your computer you're not going to make any money but you are part of it does that make sense so like yeah. that, no, nobody's done it akt render any any all, all any protocol go have a look at it very rarely you find step by step how to become part of the network and earn like the devs or earn like the notes Thank yeah you. no 100 um so that's kind of something that's a little bit difficult because like right now in the early stage of the jackal protocol not that we're trying to keep anyone, but we have a really awesome storage provider community just in the Discord. If you ask a question, any like probably four or five people are going to come and just help you out. If not, we will come and help you out to make sure that your onboarding experience is wonderful. Because for this protocol to be successful in general, um, we need the supply side and the demand side of storage. And we can't really just, there's not really like a select group, few group of people. Is we need as many unique terabytes as possible for us to go and um, sell to other users, right? Um, so that's, uh, that's number one. The kind of, there's three ways that you can get involved with the Jocko protocol. And 
each three of them kind of come at different technical difficulties. Way number one, which is the easiest, and this is kind of coming with the, with the upgrade that's going to be happening in Q2, is any user with their RNS name. So if you go to the Jackal dashboard, you spin up your storage account, you'll get an RNS name. This is just like the native name service on the Jackal protocol. So it makes life a little bit easier. So you don't have to remember like Jackal one, a really long string of letters and numbers. You can just have netavrun.rns and that is your RNS name. Um, with that, that is number one, a way for people to send files to you and do all that kind of stuff. But number two is that's also just a referral code. So if you have a business or you want to kind of find a way to get integrated with the Jackal protocol, the easiest, lowest hanging fruit without technical knowledge in general is really just going to uh, your friends or a business and using that referral code. And that's a good way that you can kind of drive, be involved as a community member, drive value to the network and also get rewarded for providing that value, right? So that's kind of number one. Number two, number three is validators and node providers, um, storage providers. Um, so for validators in general, that's probably like the easier to be a validator than a storage provider. I would say at least Marcin, I, I don't know if you would agree with that, but being a validator, it's pretty much just kind of having the technical knowledge to kind of spin up a server in a data center, integrate with the protocol, go through the docs um, and kind of understand a GitHub. But kind of by default, you need a little bit of technical knowledge because we're dealing with technical stuff, right? Um, not that it's meant to be a barrier to entry. It's just the fact of the matter is with like the stage that this tech is in, it does take a little bit of prerequisite knowledge of kind of running those kind of things. And then the storage providers is kind of very similar. You can kind of use an old gaming computer and hook into the network, number one. Or you could like rent a server in a data center and then hook it into the network and provide it that way. Uh, for onboarding for that, honestly, the, the Discord is the best way to do that, though. Um, all you have to say is like, hey, I have this hardware or should I buy this hardware would probably be a really good question to ask before you buy anything. And then you'll honestly get really honest feedback from whether it's the Jackal team from Jackal Labs directly or it's other individuals that are in the community being storage providers. No, thank you very much. I'll I'll explore your website because it's actually the first time I've I've opened the website itself, and it does have a, a few you know frequently frequently asked questions and how to become you know provide storage. Um, I think that's generally most of the things I wanted to ask at this moment. But yeah, thank thank you for letting me speak, and um, I'll disconnect the mic. No, so in case and else wants. also thank you for asking these questions. And if you have any issues, whether you want to be a storage provider or anything like that, please let us know because um, it's really important for like our build, measure, learn feedback loops going on internally so we can just make a better product and kind of be a better organization in general. So any feedback, please share with us. Thank you very much. All right, we have one other person coming back up uh, now. Let me see if I can... Do you guys see third speaker? Is it just me or fourth speaker? Or is that just me right now? We might just be getting spammed with this. I don't know. Ahmed, uh, feel free to ask your questions if you can hear me right now. I'm not sure if you're fully up yet, though. You once. Is it just me that sees him as a speaker? Or is it just, uh, or is it just my? No, I can, I can see him. Yeah, he's just muted. Oh, Bob. Ahmed, if, uh, if you want to ask a question, feel free. Um, if not, uh, we can start to wind this down unless there's any other speakers that do want to come out. Super strange. I'm not sure if it's me glitching out or someone else glitching out or it's the, uh, the Jackal account. 
No, I don't know. I mean, I don't see any other speakers anymore. All right. Anyways, um, if anyone has any last questions, feel free to come to the Discord, Telegram, or tweet at us, uh, whatever medium of communication works best for you. But outside of that, thanks everyone for an awesome uh, town hall this week. If you uh, have any feedback for us, just let us know, and uh, we'll see you a lot next week here on Twitter. Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey. What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve mentality stuck in the burbs. I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works, and we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt. We rape them under the earth, sit and wonder about the worth and plate. Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served. Motherfuckers walking around here looking faceless, trying to make a living. Than friendship bracelets, dead ants dragging out the max amount of payments. Red down days, got them acting all bankless. Yo, fam, what? Check these tokenomics. They probing this bear, flexing broken knives. I had to lay my soul down. I'm just roasting knives and then to end a long day. Eleven bowls of chronic. Never known the politic. I was born to frolic. It's been my policy to pollinate all over the plot. We got a lot of apologists jumping in at the top. We like to measure their velocity before they hit rock bottom. Over impossible losses, all moss. And I'm liking the odds Bond doing the morning Forming mycological bonds Flick the cap, yo The road is highly involved Flip a coin, diary falls Motherfuckers screaming out loud Looking for mercy Before they find themselves Working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first Before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures Under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Sit and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the rosy While the thunder is served Trying to figure out the max amount of dinner lay stacked and non-toxic Just to get a better place, smacking on the hostage Like the shit is play for keeps, clowns, white knight and all these Maybelines They call it implausible, when model after model keeps on Ripping off the coat and going full throttle beats Tearing apart your communitility All these low-hanging fruits bearing zero liquidity Got a planet in reach, coming standard to each I'm on the back ten stargazing after the siege Commanding all the management to grab a few seats And then we'll round up the beasts and send a messenger east Y'all better sign a release when I'm bumping these beats Hands up if I got motherfuckers drumming the streets Yo, we got a few dubs, we got a couple defeats And if you're coming for the king, you better have some of each Motherfuckers, motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come first serve Mentality stuck in the burbs I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt We rape and plunder the earth Say and wonder about the worth and play Ring around the Rosie while the thunder is served.